Hello, I'm Kathleen Tandy, Vice President of Global Partner and Alliances Marketing at VMware, and I'm pleased to bring you the stories and trends from our VMware partners, executives, and industry analysts. Today, I'm excited to share my conversation with Mike Taylor, Chief Technology Officer and Senior Vice President of Services at WWT. Together, we covered topics including the importance of creating a unique digital user experience for partners and customers, the shift and imperative of becoming a technology solution and service provider, and the priority of nurturing and retaining top talent. I'm excited to share the full discussion now. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Partnership Perspectives. It's great to have you join us today. Thank you. Excited to be here and nice to meet you, Kathleen. So let's start our conversation today with where you work, which is WWT. I understand you're the Chief Technology Officer and Senior Vice President of Services. So you have the wonderful honor of overseeing WWT's global engineering, I think the IT organization and your services business, which is a fantastic role right at the center of what's going on with technology and your customers. And I can't imagine all the great things you get to see every day. But let's start with WWT. For our listeners, can you share a little background on the company? What markets and customers you serve, maybe how long it's been in business, how you partner with VMware, and what makes WWT special? Sure. And thank you for the opportunity here to talk with you and share a little bit more about worldwide partnership and the market in general. I'm looking forward to it. So Worldwide Technology, we were founded in 1990. We grew up primarily in the federal space, but now serve the federal market, global service provider, and then commercial enterprise are the three sales segments we have. We've been built really on a foundation of partnership from our inception back to in early days in the federal space and an 8A program that got us our launch. We're also a minority-owned business, so our founders, Dave Stewart and Jim Cavanaugh, founded the company in 1990 and still with us to this day, helping guide and lead the organization, which is kind of cool to have your founders still involved. Our business today would be close to $14 billion in revenues this year. But more than the size and kind of the growth of the company has been this movement really from a a systems integrator mindset, from a technology perspective, into a technology and business solutions provider. And so we're focused kind of at the nexus of technology and business outcomes and think we bring a unique perspective of how integrated IT systems, architectures create world-class end-user and customer experiences. And so We're really leaning into this idea and this concept of helping to make a new world happen. And as you've seen through COVID and even prior, our ability to lean into technology to produce world-class outcomes, experiences, connect people, families, and communities are some of the things that really get us excited about that convergence of technology and outcomes. So as you talk about that mind shift from being a systems integrator, and I would say talking to a lot of large global systems integrators today, I think they've also would describe their business similarly, that they are trying to also deliver outcomes. But it sounds like the real shift is around thinking from your customer's perspective, from what business outcomes you're trying to deliver through supporting with technology, which gets us to the whole topic of digital transformation. And for those listening who don't know, WWT1 the VMware Partner of the Year for the Americas for digital transformation. And it sounds as if that wasn't a coincidence 
that in fact, you are rooted at thinking about how you help guide your customers' digital transformation, which is what is setting you apart. Is that a good way to think about that? It is very much so. You articulated that very well. First of all, we really appreciated the award. We're very proud to be recognized in that sense. And from our standpoint, it's validating to the strategy because you can't read anything online or listen to anything in the tech news space that isn't talking about digital transformation and the importance now that IT organizations have to help serve these really strategic outcomes that are based on digital premise. How do you integrate systems for the purposes of really unique experiences? Or in the case of security, as an example, how are you leveraging telemetry and data to protect your organization, the employees and and those that you serve? So we take that responsibility very seriously. And I think if anything, we're probably a little more cautious about how far do you want to extend that capability into a broader market? One thing that really has been a point of strength, I think, for our partnership is the ability to be relevant in the app stack. We're talking about cloud, multi-cloud. We're talking about edge. We're talking about all these different use cases. But at the end of the day, all of this is just serving the purpose that is really an experience for a customer, a partner, or in some cases, an employee. We, five years ago, invested in an application development company. We acquired, at the time, there were around 250 application developers. And in the context of VMware, We almost thought of them as kind of a pivotal labs, if that's a term the organization would be familiar with. It was agile, pairing. But what that really did is it opened our eyes to how to actually bring these outcomes to life with an underpinning of really smart and integrated technology, but UX design, mobile applications, web applications, and and some of the work, frankly, that we've done together has been how do you reinvigorate the app stack platforms to provide agility, reach, and that world-class customer experience that our customers demand of us and that we demand of those that we do business with as consumers, right? We are really strong partners. And I just heard so much about also the relationship we've had with Jim Cavanaugh over the years. WWT really does partner with VMware across all of our major solution areas. You mentioned apps and cloud and multi-cloud, networking and security, and the digital workspaces. You were talking a lot about the apps and kind of the app stack and that. As you look at all of those areas in the breadth, is there an area that is more top of mind with your customers right now? Does it depend on customer? Does it depend on market? Or are you seeing really more of a trend and a focus on the apps? Or are you trying to bring your customers along because you are seeing it and they need to be more aware of it? It's a great question. And I think you and I as consumers and users of technology, whether it's ordering lunch or a car service or whatever the case might be, we get to experience these really nifty, packaged, easy solutions where it's like two or three clicks and voila, you get what you want or you're brought into the the universe you're going after. I think we have a really strong appreciation for the level of complexity that's involved in making that outcome happen. And it's really centered in in three areas that I see coming up repeatedly that fortunately or unfortunately, they really need to be considered and executed on kind of in, in some form of harmony or you get out of whack. And that is, first and foremost, what is an organization's operating model? And we talk about cloud is, I think, you know, five or six years ago, cloud was like, okay, well, what are you doing to get to a public cloud provider? That's kind of what cloud meant. And more often what we see is, What are our customers doing and how are we helping our customers get to a cloud operating model? So it could include public, private, 
on-premise mobility, and now even including edge use cases that we're seeing more and more of. So that's one, is that how do our customers get to the cloud operating model? And there's a great deal of technology you described that helps them get there. The second element of it is there has to be a real digital strategy. And I think more and more, this is being done in partnership between the business and the IT organization. I see this over and over again, where the relevance of the CIO, the CDO, and their teams to the board and to the lines of business has never been more important for what it is that they're driving to do. And then the third, I think, that has been introduced is this idea of remote workers or the new workforce and how that's going to work and operate. And that introduces all sorts of considerations as it relates to VMware's portfolio and Workspace ONE and Horizon and everything that we're doing there. The fortunate opportunity that I have in my responsibilities is I run our internal IT organization, a team there where we get to use these technologies every day and kind of see it. And so I've been briefed on VMware on VMware and kind of how you're using some of these capabilities. We have the opportunity to kind of do the same thing and connect those learnings across some of the strategies that I laid out there. But those are three big ones to answer your question that we see It's just general trends in the market that we think will stand the test of time over the next handful of years. You started by saying that all three areas or introduced those by talking about the level of complexity that you are seeing with your customers and in the technology space from all these different facets. That is absolutely some, I'd say, overarching a number of these things. That's a trend that we continue to hear from our other partners, from our customers, which is this is complicated. It's complicated. There's so many moving pieces. It's evolving rapidly, as well as the fact that the last events of the 18 months have accelerated the appetite to transform as people are, they're being forced to, okay, we need to take all of our workloads to the cloud because we don't have people in a data center anymore. So they're taking the plunges. So complexity is certainly driving a host of this. And one of the areas that I know that complexity also creates an opportunity for is services to help customers understand, to be able to navigate all of this. And I know you also lead, besides the internal IoT organization, the services business as well. And all three of those areas seem really ripe for key services practices, both for leading your business with customers with services, as well as just deploying. How have those three trends translated into informing the services business that you lead for WWT? Great question. I think from our standpoint, we look at this and there are two realities that all of us are faced with. I don't, I don't care what your role is, if it's you know your job, my job. We have a workforce that we have to continue to train and retrain. So it's sort of a never done kind of situation with the speed at which technology is changing in and around us. So helping to refactor skill sets that we have. And then what we believe is, is one of the fastest paths to doing that is to introduce expertise from a services capability, but augment that group of people or individuals with lab capabilities that we've built that help retrain and rebuild these workforces. And that could be anywhere from how do you operate a software-defined network to how do you leverage automation into platforms like Tanzu and, and others. So we're looking at this saying that there's a skill set refactoring, there's a skill set shortage, and then there's just this endless amount of change happening in technology platforms that serve those purposes we talked about earlier. And so from our standpoint, we're leaning into those concepts to say, 
How do we help our customers not just deploy, but train them so that they can operate and optimize the hardware, the software capabilities that we're delivering to them to help them optimize their value and also augment that capacity for extended periods of time because the skill sets just don't exist. And we feel there's an opportunity for us to do that. Our three areas, you know, I kind of talked about the outcome side of thing that we're working in, but at the end of the day, it comes down to in that cloud operating model, what's your network, what's your data, what's your security, and what are your application strategies? So we're delivering all these great outcomes that we talked about, but you don't go from 20% of your workforce working from a VMware facility two years ago to 5% without some serious considerations around data privacy and security. So each one of those concepts we talked about earlier, it's imperative that we're considering those four planes of technology and platforms to support those outcomes. I think that as you were describing those three key areas of focus that are top of mind with customers, I absolutely see the opportunity for WWT. It's not about just deployment anymore. It is about consulting at the front end around what is your cloud operating model? What should it be based on what your business opportunities are? And then, of course, what are the considerations for your networking stack, your security stack, your app stack? The same thing with what is your digital strategy? I was curious whether you're seeing those aspects of your services portfolio grow and transform as you're trying to deliver more outcome-based experiences for your customers. We are. I would say the number one trend that I see, and we were just talking about this, you mentioned Jim Cavanaugh, one of our founders earlier, just speaking with him about this, is more and more, I'd say if you looked at worldwide and, and the needs of our customers, more importantly, five years ago, it would have been, hey, could we get some help in the network? Could we get some help with our endpoint stuff? Could we maybe imagine what a, a digital experience on a mobile app might be? And more and more of those trends being not just related to retail, but everybody wants to own, to some extent, the experience they have with their customers. It's a direct-to-consumer kind of mindset that we see. And so the trend I would point out here, Kathleen, is that more and more what we see our customers asking us for is a little bit of everything. If I'm deploying a customer-centric mobile application, and that's going to be interfacing with functions in retail or healthcare that exist inside of a hospital or a retail location, we've got to give consideration to the network. The last time I'm going to order something from somebody is when I order it on my phone, I go to pick it up in a store and it's not ready or it's not there or they didn't get my order. So looking at all the different components that exist here and saying it's going to be some form of infrastructure, as we talked about, a form of digital strategy, without a doubt, and user and customer experience. And then I'd say in conjunction with really the final piece we, we haven't talked about is how do we leverage data, analytics, telemetry, and any form of those to provide greater insights into the customer experience and the outcome that we're trying to create? And so the pattern that I see in our services business in particular is it's it still can be one of those things that a customer needs help on but more and more to really deliver that outcome and lead into the strategy of making a new world happen is kind of our tagline is like, it takes all those different components to make it happen. And integrating those teams and those concepts, I think is something the market is really looking for. They're looking for partners, whether it's VMware and WWT or others, they want fewer partners to do more things, in my opinion. I totally agree. As we struggle, even within VMware, of managing silos, we know our customers 
are working to manage silos, right? It was the networking guys were separate from the data guys, from the infrastructure. It can't work that way anymore. It all needs to be managed as one because everything is holistic and being integrated together, which also then creates more complexity, which means customers need great partners like WWT to help navigate that. And you guys are absolutely positioned to be able to deliver that. One trend I haven't heard you mention, and I'm curious as to whether this is also shaping how you work with customers, is the whole transition to consumption-based purchasing and buying, SaaS and subscription versus perpetual-based license. We're going through a major, I think we're on the beginning of a major shift, which is transforming. And I think it's really promising because it's more about, I see the shift focusing on how we're using and consuming technology rather than on how we're building it and getting it up and running. So we're really making that shift and consumption goes along with that. It's not about building it, it's about being able to use it. But are you seeing the same appetite among your customers to shift to more consumption-based purchasing models? How is that impacting WWT? And I think the other opportunity from that is, are you seeing appetite from your customers to shift to having WWT provide manage services for them so that they can just completely start to kind of outsource it so they can just consume it and they don't have to be so much builders of it. It's a great observation. And I'd say in the category of, so put the the solution side of it aside, just what are our customers asking for us commercially, just in terms of how we transact and engage with them. And I think leaning into choice is always going to win. And I think we've seen that in the technology markets In particular, as we talk about, at least from a commercial perspective, in terms of how our customers buy things, we've disaggregated the hardware and the software for a lot of reasons. And that was primarily driven by the desire of the market to have a choice. They didn't want a closed system, a black box where they were paying for things that in their minds they might not need or ever enable, to your point. And so I absolutely see an appetite from our customers on choice. How do you understand you still need hardware on-premise to run software? Do you transact them differently? And so the enterprise agreement, the traction behind those has been phenomenal in terms of the buying patterns. And I think it's also an indication in terms of that growth that our customers are thinking more strategic as well. They're sitting down going, okay, I have a roadmap. I have a cloud operating model strategy or business imperatives that I'm trying to get to. And they're far more organized, in my opinion, and thoughtful which helps us lean into commercial agreements that provide them flexibility. And when structured the right way, it also can provide them with efficiencies from a cost perspective, whether they're rationalizing tools in their environment or figuring out how larger buys or leaning into platform partners can help them grow at a lower expense ratio. So commercially, I see it all the time. What I see on the managed services side is Cloud and security in particular is an area where our customers need help. We have a managed service capability and we deliberately thought about what elements of the market do we want to go after in our managed service and believe that those are two areas that are far more in demand and frankly less commoditized than other traditional managed services that we might be accustomed to providing or other partners provide as a solution. So we see those as strategic, strategic elements, but I'd say the third element of it we didn't talk about is in delivering these next generation applications, mobile web or otherwise, they want feature teams to continue to just crank out features. So you have the big go live, you have probably three or four subsequent releases that go with it, but then you're constantly getting feedback from customers, 
hopefully you're using data and the telemetry from those apps to inform features you might want to improve upon or user experiences you might want to enhance. And that's another area that I see. And it's not commoditized app support. It's delivering features and capabilities into those applications. As you raise that, Mike, I think that's just a fascinating topic because a lot of people do focus on the new apps, either refactoring old apps or having a structure to be able to build native-based apps. And there's a lot of focus on the building of them. But you're absolutely right. There's a, you need to continue the care and feeding of those applications. And you're right, it's not support. It is continuing to innovate and iterate over time. And I'm sure many, many customers or businesses don't think about that. So being able to bring that connection and that insight to your customers, I think is really critical. I wanted to talk more about these two, security, which you raised, which continues to be a growing top, and a little bit more around the analytics and insights and what WWT is doing. But let's start with, with security. Security is another area where I think there's massive complexity. There have been a couple of VM worlds in the past when Pat Gelsinger was still our CEO, where he had a slide that he'd put up on stage with just riddled with more logos than you could stick on a slide that just showed this is insane. One of the challenges is just navigating that. But it's also just the attack surface areas are growing, just new creative ways people are hacking into systems. What do you see are the top, maybe three things that are top of mind with regards to security with your customers? And how is WWT uniquely working to help service them? You said it's not as much of a commoditized area. Two observations from a market perspective I would throw out is first, the cyber resiliency and cyber recovery kind of as a thought process is something we're seeing in every account that we're talking to. And you could say some of this is being buoyed or perpetuated by what we saw with Colonial Pipeline and other things that have been in the news. I would argue it's really more probably about what they're experiencing internally and what we in the world of technology talk about amongst our peers, which is for every colonial, there are 20 that we don't hear about. And so that cyber recovery, cyber resiliency is a big area of focus for us from a security standpoint. I'll come back to maybe how we think about that from a worldwide standpoint. But the other one I want to talk about in this as well is tools rationalization. I think that logo slide, and I remember I was speaking to a group of security interns a while ago, and you know they're like, what keeps you up at night? And I was like, remember that slide you saw a few minutes ago? That slide, that is crazy to think that an organization might have 1,100 different security tools in their environment. And how do you really ensure that they're doing what they should be and not doing what they shouldn't be? And the recent issues with supply chain challenges in terms of code bases and the sovereignty of that code base have introduced a lot of interest in how do I get from 1,100 security providers down to a reduced number to your point on surface areas? So those are two trends that we see. I think across both of those, what I would lean into from a differentiation standpoint is, one, our ability to show what security platform players can really do in that tools rationalization framework. I don't want to say convincing, but showing versus talking or PowerPointing, using our labs and our advanced technology center to say, here's how these things really function and integrate with one another. So that's a point of strength, I'd say, both from the tools rationalization piece, as well as when I think about cyber recovery is you have choices there. You can build your own kind of with a different set of providers, or you can look at technology providers, VMware and Dell technology together in terms of hardware, software combinations that could roll this. And so being able to show a customer for their environment why one versus the other 
might work, how they function, and getting our customers hands-on with those tools. In particular, when the lens with security is like, don't screw up. And don't screw up means don't get hacked, but also as you're migrating tool bases, don't expose yourself. Make sure you're not incurring unnecessary exposure. So our lab capabilities there and the idea of connecting security principles to data center storage strategies, including public and private cloud, I think for us is a point of strength in both of those areas. I can see how that helps customers in numerous ways. I was chuckling to myself as you were talking about rationalizing tools and security. VMware itself is going through that same process. And I think a recent assessment is we have over a thousand tools and apps we're using as part of our technology estate, which we need to rationalize and manage that. And I think lots of businesses are in that position where it's organically grown over time and lots of different teams have added and you're left with this and then you don't know what you're going to break. But absolutely rationalizing that is key value that we and you can bring to customers. Agree. And they're looking more and more, I really think, Kathleen, for who has not just the current portfolio, but who has a vision and a strategy from I'll say endpoint edge to core, including public cloud use cases. And the more together we lean into that concept, I think the more market interest we're going to continue to generate. I want to turn back now to the analytics and insights, because I think that's a goldmine there in terms of delivering those outcomes and those experiences for your customers and taking things to the next level. And frankly, I don't hear a lot of other executives always mention that. So thrilled that you do, because that sounds like also this kind of a a secret, powerful ingredient that WWT can bring. And you're thinking about it in a slightly different way. So it's not just about helping to rationalize your operating model, think about your digital transformation strategy, but also taking to the next step to think about what analytics and insights you're going to be used to improve that, whether it's enhancing your apps that you need to continue the care and feeding or the business. So how is WWT approaching this? Is this something that you're building inside? Is this another acquisition that you have been using to build your portfolio? What are you guys doing in this space? It's two things, really. First, the application development organization that we acquired and have integrated into the company. You talk about how innovation happens. It's just kind of looking at things from a different lens with a different background and the diverse point of view brings out different ideas. So that was one major lever in kind of in terms of us thinking about data differently. The other was building a management consulting practice around what started off when big data was a thing, right? It was like big data. What would we do with big data? And it's really moved into more kind of principles of management consulting in combination with data science. So we're looking at these things to build hypotheses that say the outcome of this application is we want to increase ticket size or store visits or the number of engagements that someone might have with a particular. It's like, well, if that's the basis by which we're building the ROI, we sure as heck better instrument this application to provide us with that information. That was kind of the confluence of these data science principles and our application development teams to say, the best way to keep a really good application and the features we talked about being delivered and invested in from a board perspective across retail, healthcare, financial services is another big area we do this work in is we just want to make that value available to the executive team at their fingertips. And so instrumenting applications to think that way, using data science to kind of vet out hypotheses we could have around different features or even user experience flows was a big part of what we did. And that was new for us, right? That's kind of a new thing for WWT to be involved in. 
from a legacy or history perspective of what we've done with infrastructure and now public cloud, it was with the advent of all these open systems, these APIs where we could inform action to infrastructure or pull intelligence from those devices. We went through a little bit of a, a renaissance period, in my opinion, at least. I'm an old ERP person. So like, you know, I was Oracle ERP and a bunch of other things that I grew up doing. And you had to think about a data strategy for your business to kind of run your business. We're looking at this now and saying, well, how do we develop a data strategy for technology to make them more efficient in terms of how they operate? And if you think about everything from security and resiliency that we want to create to high availability and performance, most of the data we're looking at to drive those outcomes, it's in fact the same data. It's just examined through a different lens. So we can extract telemetry. How do we pull that together then? And how do we start using that data to inform ultimately actions that move up the scale of autonomy to maybe today it's a recommendation that this thing is behaving strangely. Tomorrow it could be, well, we know exactly what action to take on that in, in implementing real AI ops use cases for customers that help take that data and drive initially to awareness. But in most cases, our more advanced customers are taking action against that information and it's making IT more efficient helps direct dollars from the cost of operations to the promise of innovation and driving real business value. And helping IT not just be a cost center, but a contributor to the business, delivering business value, as you were saying, which that gives the nirvana for every IT organization versus being a challenge for companies because they can never deliver what you need. Yeah, it's, it's the cost center to the value center. Absolutely. So WWT clearly has a track record of strategically looking to the future, continuing to innovate internally in terms of what you offer, the way you think with your customers, clearly positioning you as a key trusted business advisor, a strategic technology partner for your customers. You had talked earlier in our conversation for services around talent and the awards you win, the relationships you build with the customers, all these fantastic outcomes are rooted in your bench and the talent and skills of the people at WWT. And you also mentioned there's a scarcity of this IT talent and customers in the market. It's a hot market. And everyone has been challenged over the last 18 months as we manage in our Zoom boxes and the adjustments to work. How has WWT been navigating? What are you guys doing to help retain that talent and that bench, which is becoming even more critical now than ever before? I'll say it's as hard as it's ever been. And I think we could all say that. And I know it, it sounds cliched, but I think we've had some factors that have influenced that. There's COVID fatigue. I think there's also now organizations where they've committed they're going to work 100% remotely. And you could look at that one or two ways. I look at it like I and we at Worldwide and you know VMware and others, we can, doesn't matter where you live. Are you talented? Can we integrate you with those teams? And so I think some of it has to do with your perspective on things. I really try to boil this down into two things that I think about in terms of not just attracting, but developing and retaining world-class talent. The first is you have to have a healthy culture. A healthy culture is not absent of conflict. A healthy culture knows how to address conflict or opportunities. And you mentioned earlier, if my team was on the call with me, they'd say, well, what's the difference between network and security or automation and security? It's like, Look, at the end of the day, cloud security, automation, they're everywhere. And so we just have to think about how do we integrate and partner across different domains and teams to work together on things. If you have a strong enough culture and you have leaders 
who are engaged and listening to your teams, you're just going to make decisions faster. And we take a lot of pride at an executive level, but management overall and ensuring that our slogan is WWT is a great place to work for all should be a great place to work for everybody. And we've been recognized by Fortune Magazine and Time Magazine this past year as a a great place to work. And we find that to be validating, but it's got to be real. It can't just be a plaque on the wall. People have to see it, think it, feel it. And that's the first element of it. The second in particular with engineering is they want to work on hard problems. They want to work on cool things. And I say cool, meaning it's interesting and it delivers an outcome. There's value that they see to it. And, and I think we have an opportunity to do that with the partners that we work with and the customers that we serve together. Our teams are working on really hard, but cool and, and substantial problems. And when you offer both of those things, yeah, they're going to be potholes and bumps in the road every once in a while. Things don't always go your way. But over the long term and being able to reflect back on the people you work with, the people you work for, and the outcomes that you drive, that's the right combination, in my opinion, to attract, develop, and retain that talent. Well, I think the folks at WWT, there's going to be no lack of cool things to work on with the portfolio of initiatives that you've described today. So I don't think you have anything to worry about there. You mentioned leadership engagement is also being critical and helping to manage through this, manage your talent, build that authentic culture. How has your leadership style changed or grown over circumstances of the last 18 months? Has it challenged it? Has your leadership style changed in any way? How has that experience been for you last 18 months? It definitely took some time to figure out. I'll say that. I don't have it completely figured out, but a couple things I know I will continue to do through this is we had started a process shortly after COVID had hit, which really kind of in our locations, think like, Mid-March, kind of all were like, whoa, what's going on? End of March, we're like, okay, how do we continue to kind of move and operate? And one of the things that we did at an executive level in and around that time, and it was also, frankly, more complicated with George Floyd and, and the murder of George Floyd and social injustice initiatives that were going on. We started executive listening tours where at the time, three times a week, I had a 90-minute period of time where anybody from the organization could sign up and we, we try to limit it to 20 or 30 people. And we just ask questions. I really had, I'd say most of those, I spoke 5% of the time, believe it or not, in those. And it was really our employees expressing how are they handling work from home, challenges around social injustice, feedback on our diversity inclusion programs, and how we should think about activating and reactivating some of those in the context of remote work. So that's one that we've continued to do throughout last year and even throughout this year. I I think I have one next Monday, as a matter of fact, to sit down and and just just listen. How are people doing? What are they thinking and feeling uh, with what's going on? That was a big part of it. I think the second is not traveling as much has allowed myself and others to be more regimented in some of the cadences that we have with our team. So I don't miss one-on-ones. Our team meetings, we have almost full attendance in our team meetings because people aren't on airplanes. I expect some of that to snap back. It's not probably good that we're all sitting in our houses interacting with one another all the time, but those have been positive things. The last one I'll add that I don't want to say this one's worn off. I think it's just we've gotten accustomed to it is there is really something personal about talking to somebody when they're in their home. Prior to this, I know we were, I was screwing around because my dog tends to go crazy when I'm on these things, right? So you just get to know people through a bit of a different lens. And it's not uncommon to have somebody's child walk in the room and ask for something or you get a different perspective of people. And I've enjoyed that. 
It's been this inherently odd mix of more intimate connections with people, as you talk about homes and cats and kids and seeing in spaces, but at the same time also being separated in, in our little Zoom boxes. It's been a weird mix. What's one thing, though, that you think we are really still missing by not being able to be together all the time that you think there's just no substitute for that we really need to find a way to, to bring back into our work lives? From our standpoint and, and mine personally, I think the observation is engaging with new people, new customers, new partners. When we're kicking off projects, whether it's complex app development data center consolidation work. There's just something meaningful for certain things to get in a room and just kind of see, hear, react to one another. We have to find the right balance of that. And I think it'll make us more effective as individuals, teams, companies, and certainly partnerships as we're working to those outcomes. I think it is about balance and it's going to be something we'll all need to feel our way back to once we feel confident. Every time I feel like we're turn feel like we're turning the corner, then there's a little bit of a setback. And I know we're looking so much forward to getting to be together with people again in person. And I hope it happens sooner than later. I'd love to wrap up today, Mike, with talking about a couple of things that are a little bit more personal for you. First of all, a couple lightning round questions and then wrap up with a philanthropy night that I know you're super involved with. So with the time you have when you're not listening tours with employees or and now not on planes, what are you rediscovering or reading and, or listening to these days? I was having this conversation with one of our listening tours. I have really finely tuned my Google News feed. I almost need to find a way to break out of it, maybe. I don't know if I've created an echo chamber for myself. So a lot of my news is coming from just topics that I'm interested in and kind of optimizing what Google News does with that. I've read a book that was popular amongst our executive leadership team when COVID first started was The Everything Store about how Jeff Bezos founded Amazon and some of the concepts there and this balance of how much of innovation is really just execution, just getting it done and kind of leaning into that concept was a good one. And then I just read a book here. I was on PTO a week or so ago. It was a biography from Joe Buck. So as a St. Louis personality, grew up here and that was a good read. So I try to balance it, but I listen to a lot of books, frankly, versus reading most of the time. That counts. Those are some great suggestions. I always get great ideas and, and great books to share. I understand you've been very involved with Nurses for Newborns, an organization yeah. over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about this group? And why you're so passionate about it, and maybe as a call to action, how people could help support this organization. I appreciate that. Nurses termed, I termed out this year, actually. I was able to convince another WWTer to step in and take on the reins there, but had been with, worked with Nurses for Newborns for, I think they actually allowed me an extra year and a half, technically, but it's an organization based in St. Louis that really struck a chord with me. My wife and I, we have four children. We got started early as parents, and I just remember this feeling when we left the hospital and we had our daughter, and it was like really all I needed to leave the hospital with a child was that I had a car seat buckled in the back seat. And I'm like, and by the way, I had an excellent support system, you know, family, friends, others, you know, that would help me. But I just remember feeling extremely vulnerable leaving the hospital with this baby in the car, my daughter, who I felt very ill-equipped to handle. And made a connection through a personal friend with an organization in St. Louis that was offering kind of filling a gap between parents that were leaving the hospital with a child who in many cases could have been in the ICU or the NICU rather for a period of time. 
They could have gestational diabetes or other pre-existing conditions from birth. And I, I was just like, I couldn't imagine even going home with that situation. And then you compound it with socioeconomical issues around single parents, lack of support systems. And so nurses for newborns, the heroes are the nurses. These men and women who drive all over the St. Louis area to meet with these mothers based on recommendations and referrals from the hospitals themselves to help provide the right care to these babies and the mothers, frankly, and fathers or after the children are born. So at that stage of my life, that was something that was really close to me and my thought process, having gone through that and learned a lot, met a lot of great people. That organization continues to thrive. That's great. What a fantastic, as, as you're listening to that, my kids are now 24 and 22. So it's a little while back, but benefit of being educated people. But yeah, you're like, I don't know quite what to do. We had a great pediatrician who we saw a lot that absolutely filling a need. And I'm sure that that organization has been even more challenged over the last 18 months in with parents not having the same support group because they can't meet with people quite so much. So it's filling in even more critical need. Agree. It can be nurses for newborns and mothers is really what I think about in terms of, frankly, most of our babies have a single mother in most situations or a complicating factor there where it's a single parent or I think back to raising a child on your own, isolating for all the reasons that you mentioned, just very physically and emotionally stressful. Well, it's great you've been able to be involved with that organization as long as they let you. So, (laughs) and I'm thrilled that you at least are continuing the thread with someone else at WWT. Last question, Mike, what I want to wrap with today is I know you've been with WWT for 14 years, had a very long tenured career there. You're still there. We've talked about a lot of exciting, cool technology things that WWT is doing, but what is exciting you most today about our industry, the technology industry, its promise for the future that's going to keep you doing this for another 14 years? It's the combination of really great people that I get to work with and get to learn from. Frankly, we have some of the smartest people in our organization and we get to work with some of the best in the industry, whether those are customers or partners. And that's really exciting. I like to learn I like to learn new things, and I think that this is a great environment to continue to do that with really great people. That's what's kept me here, and I think that's what will keep me here as we go into the future. The second element of it is is really what you hit on, is that, again, I know it sounds cliche, but I don't think what we do has ever been as relevant, and it's only going to be more relevant in a couple years for so many different reasons, whether it's security, health consumer and and customer and patient experiences, all of these things are just such an opportunity to learn a lot, to do some good things, frankly, for people, communities that we live and work in. And that's what has me here and going to make me stay. Well, that's fabulous, Mike. I look forward to you being around a long time at WWT, helping to continue the great partnership we have between WWT and VMware. And Mike, it's just been a delight talking with you today. You as well. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. A big thanks to Mike. In particular, it was fascinating to learn more about how WWT leverages data analytics and insights to help deliver best-in-class customer experiences. To learn more about WWT, please visit WWT.com. And to connect with Mike, you can find him on LinkedIn. 
please subscribe, follow, and review VMware Partnership Perspectives from your streaming platform of choice. For more information on VMware's partner programs, please visit VMware Executive Edge at VMware.com. I'm Kathleen Tandy, and you've been listening to VMware Partnership Perspectives. Thanks for joining us today.